I got dissed. Did you see that? Thank you very much. It's okay. I'm getting you next week. You better be ready. Good morning. Hey, if you're watching us online via Facebook, then welcome. And if you're watching us while you're driving, put the phone down. You can watch us later on this afternoon. That's what people keep telling me. Hey, I watched you on Facebook as we're driving from here to there. I'm like, be careful. You do not, this does not need to be the last thing you see before you see God. I'm just telling you. <laughs> oh, it's not that funny, but kind of is. Um, <laughs> good morning. I hope, this, I hope this, this series has been helpful to you so far. It's been helpful for me. Um, for the past two weeks, if you're just now joining us, for the past two weeks we've been talking about what it means to be faithful in a culture where faith seems to be on the decline. And I hope that this question that we asked last week has been lingering in your minds. What do we believe? I've seen a little bit of Facebook traffic on that, and I, I do hope that, that the questions we ask every Sunday do stay in your mind and that you do wrestle with those things because it, it's not as easy as just saying, you know, okay, I mean, there's things we need to wrestle with, and it's an ongoing process. So what I thought we could do this morning is to, I guess as a church family, to declare a few things that we believe. So what I'm going to ask you to do is to stand up, and if you're willing, to repeat some things after me. So let's all stand up together. Okay, I know this is weird. You may not have ever done this before, but we're going to try this. Okay, are you ready? And you can say it boldly if you want. You ready? Okay, I believe... That Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. That He was born. That He died. And that he, God rose Him to life. So that we could have forgiveness. Grace. Mercy. And eternal life. And this is for all who believe. Amen? All right, have a seat. Thank you. See, that wasn't so hard. You know, sometimes I think it's important that as a family, we declare what it is we believe. I believe that that's important. And what I also believe is that God has loved us since the very beginning. He's loved you from the very, very beginning. And He wants you to know that, whoever you are, wherever you have come from, however you have found your way into this seat this morning, if it's your seat or if you stole somebody's seat that is looking at you funny right now, whatever seat you're in, however you got here, I'm going to tell you God has loved you from the very beginning. No matter what you've done, no matter what horrible thing you have done this week, God loves you. No matter how prideful you are to think that you're pretty lovable, God even loves you too. Wherever you are on the spectrum, Whatever guilt or shame or pride you may carry, there is more for you. There's forgiveness for whatever is weighing you down. There's forgiveness for whatever is weighing you down. There's much more, much, much more for us. God promises this for you. Release. He promises forgiveness. He promises a fresh start Do you believe it? Do you believe it? 
there you go. It's okay. We can talk today. I believe that. And I believe that every passing moment is another chance to turn it all around. I believe that every passing moment is a chance for you to embrace the faith that maybe up until this point you've just been experimenting with. This is the moment to embrace it. And today, I'm going to encourage you to make it your own. Own it. And I think it, it, it all begins once you choose to believe. So the question, what do you believe, I hope is the one we continue to ask ourselves. So today we take the very next step in the conversation. Um, for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking more specifically Today we're going to talk about what it means to live out our faith at home. Now I'll begin here with home. Now, what does it mean to be a family of faith? Notice I didn't ask what it means to be a perfect family because I'm not talking about what it means to be a perfect family. We all have our idea of what a perfect family is. We don't have to be perfect family to be a family of faith. So the question I have is, what's your home? What is your home like? Are you a traditional family? Do you have kids? Are you a, uh, maybe an empty nester? Are you even married? Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you are alone. Maybe you're in college, just starting out, finding your way, trying to figure out how to make it to class on time. Barely. Have, how many of you were late the first day of school? Okay, that's safe bold. Thank you for that. I'm right there with you, you know. I mean, it's hard, you know, starting out a brand new way by yourself. I mean, wherever you are in your family, traditional or not, I'm going to use this word today, family. And when you hear the word family, don't think of these people necessarily. Don't think that you have to have a kid or you have to have um, a spouse to necessarily be a family, whether you're a family of one with a sphere of influence or whether you're a family of ten with very little time. I want you to be thinking about what it means to be a family of faith. But I also want you to know that even the most perfect families that are out there have some serious flaws. I, I, I was asking Shelly, Hey, is there a story I could tell about our family that kind of shows all our flaws? She says there's way too many, Scott. <laughs> I mean, the truth is that these people on screen, they look very perfect. But I will, I'm going to confess, most are models. Except for the, the royal couple. They're the real deal. That's, those are, now, I don't know what their family's like behind closed doors, but I bet it's probably odd. You know, most of the families we think are perfect when we come into the church here every Sunday, the ones who look good and are just, they look perfect, always smiling. I'm going to tell you that we're only seeing one hour of their life out of 8,760 hours. And this right here, you're only seeing one thirty-second of a second out of their life. But we have these ideas of what perfect is. The truth is, none of us are perfect. Perfect families and families of faith are not the same thing. Because in our reality, families look a little bit more like this. And you think that's odd, you know, look at the whole picture. <laughs> we're not laughing at them, we're laughing near them, all right? And this is statute of limitations well past. We can laugh at this. But I mean, some people, it looks, you know, they, they look kind of normal until you see the bigger picture. 
I love, I love this one. This is a sweet one, you know? I mean, but sometimes things just look a little odd when you really look closely at the families. <laughs> Liv came in last night, and I'm, I'm looking at this picture, and she's like, what are you looking at? I'm sorry, that's just really funny. It's just one of those couple of stages of laughter there. You know, the thing is that none of us are perfect, but thank the Lord in heaven that we don't have to be. <laughs> Am I right? You know, God is not calling us to be a, perf- a family of perfection. He's calling us to be families of faith. So before we go any further, I think we may need to pray for a moment. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment. Lord, we pray that you would encourage us today. Lord, that you would inspire those who need it, who need inspiration. That, that, Lord, that you would move those who have been stuck. Lord, that you would help those people who are in this room right now who think that there is no way they are ever going to be able to, to do what it is you want them to do or to, to, to get to that life of, you know, of faith that they want. They feel so weighed down by things. I pray that today is their day that all that changes. Lord, this is a moment here. Help us not to miss it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've struggled through this preparation, I will tell you. I've struggled because, like you, I'm doing my very best with my family. I'm doing my best. And sometimes I get it right, sometimes I don't. A lot of times I don't. But, but I'm trying just like you. And remember, from a few weeks ago, Um, we said that one of the main reasons people are leaving church, young adults are leaving churches today, is because the faith that they saw practiced at home is not the same faith that they see practiced at church. So there's a disconnect there. And today, I want to talk about that disconnect. Now, Shelly and I struggle to live out our faith as well, so I'm not going to preach at you. I'm just going to share with you some of the things I've been thinking about this week, some of the questions I've been asking myself. So if I want to be a person who lives out my faith at home, then I'm going to have to try to answer some of these questions. And here is where I think we should begin. So when you think of your family's future, it could be yourself, it could be your biological family, remember the word family here. When you think of your family's future, what do you believe God will do? How about this question? What do you want God to do for your family? I want to give you a moment to just think about that. What do you want, if you had to verbalize it, what do you want God to do for your family? Ready, go, think. See if you can formulate a sentence. You don't have to tell me, I just want to make sure you can articulate that. Okay, are you good? Okay, what do you want God to do for your family? Now, now here's, here's the follow-up to that. What kind of expectation level did you set? Now, it's church, so maybe you set it really, really high. Or did you find that your expectations, as you said, you said that sentence in your mind, were your expectations kind of average? I mean, sometimes I wonder if we ask for less from God because we don't want to be disappointed. Maybe we become skilled at praying with our fingers crossed. I mean, I get it. I, I found myself sometimes keeping my prayers vague. <laughs> You know, just vague enough to where I don't, I'm not let down when things don't necessarily go my way. You ever felt that way? You're just praying for general, general peace. 
It's not unusual, by the way, so don't get down on yourself. Because answered prayers sometimes take a while because God's timing is different than ours. We live in an immediate society. My first introduction to the microwave was late 70s, early 80s. I really don't remember. But I remember from that moment on, I was conditioned to expect things more quickly than I used to. We're in a very immediate society. I find myself irritated when my phone will not connect as I'm dialing. I mean, think about it just for a second. We dial a number. It goes to space. And then over to maybe a different country or state. And if it takes more than two or three seconds, we're irritated. Still not fast enough. Isn't that crazy? How have we gotten here to this point? Amazon Prime. Do I need to say anything else? Is it sad to say that one of our questions before we got here was if Amazon still delivered two days to San Angelo? Is that bad? They do, by the way. But that's where we are, right? I mean, we're in this immediate society. When things take longer than we want, it's irritating. And when we ask God to do something for us or for our family, but we don't see the result of our prayers, do we give up? Do we give up thinking God's going to answer us? Or had He even hurt us? I'm not talking about God, you know, giving, praying that God gives you more money or no health problems. No problems at all. What I'm talking about is praying for God to do something great with your family. Turn to Mark chapter 5. We're going we're gonna to read a kind of a lengthy bit of text here, but I think it's going to help us as we kind of wrap around, wrap our minds around this, this bigger idea here. Mark chapter 5, we're going to read from 21 on to the, towards the end of the chapter. Let's go ahead and read. It's going to start in 21. This is two people we're going to look at specifically who believed, whose faith we still talk about even today. Here we go. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Hey, if y'all could advance this whenever I get to it, I'm not going to look at the slides. Um, Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet... Instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He told her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid. 
Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. The word of the Lord. You know, so many great teaching points in this text. But what I see is two people who are desperate. And when we're desperate, we sometimes make interesting choices. These two people were very clear about what they wanted God to do for them. Now keep in mind, physical healing meant spiritual healing as well. Now there is definitely an element of suffering and I don't want my daughter to die. But there's a larger element that if you're spiritually sick, I mean physically sick, then you're spiritually sick. And imagine what restoration could mean for you. You can go back to synagogue. You can experience worship. Go back to the church. These people were asking for God to intervene in the life of in the, in the, the life and, and, and in the soul of their families. Two stories of people who knew exactly what they wanted and, more importantly, believed Jesus could do for them. So let's revise our question a little bit. What do we believe God can do for our family? Are we desperate enough? Are we desperate, maybe barely holding it together? What do you believe God can do for you? Maybe you're in the midst of family conflict. Maybe you, I don't know, have anger. Maybe there's anger, maybe there's bitterness in your family and no one talks about it because it'll just disrupt things. You know those silent, a lot more said in the silence than in the yelling. Maybe there's irritation and anger in your home right now. Maybe, maybe it's, it's an ex-spouse just being mean. Maybe you just aren't able to kind of connect and you don't even think there's a way forward because you're, you split up. What do you believe God could do for you and for them? And by the way, don't don't think that just because you've been divorced or have experienced a broken relationship that you're beyond help or that God's punishing you for eternity because of that choice. Do not think that. I believe God wants to help you with peace reconciliation. I believe that God wants to help you and show you what faith looks like in the midst of your current situation, however it is right here and right now, even when we fail. Do you believe God can give you peace? Reconciliation? Hope in the midst of hopelessness? Do you believe that? What do you believe God can do for your family? Let's think deeper for a moment. What are your aspirations for your family? What are your ambitions for your family? And I'm talking about more than just good grades. I'm 
Talking about more than just good at sports, a scholarship, better friends. I'm talking about what do you hope God's going to do for your family? Can you articulate that or even think about that? Sometimes it's hard. We don't, we don't necessarily think in those ways, but, but if you had an idea, uh, maybe a moment to think, what do I want God to do for my family? What does that look like? Or did the spiritual aspirations for your family stop once all your kids got baptized? Woo, they're safe, they're good. I'm telling you, baptism's not the end. It's just the beginning. There's a whole life here of good that God wants to do and wants you to experience. And what else do you believe God could do for them? What else do you believe God could do for you, even though you may feel like you're beyond being able to do anything more. What do you think God could do for you? Do you think God can, can help our families and our kids to shine brightly as people of faith? That God will do more for us than just give us safety? Do you think God could maybe do something that might require a little bit of risk? Do we believe that God could move our families to be people who will ignite the fire for the gospel in their friends and in their school, in their work, in their practice? Do we believe God could do this? That He could make our families into missionaries, into preachers, into prophets, into teachers, into people who, 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 who non-Christians can confide in and trust and see as a genuine example of what Jesus looks like. Even when we mess up, do we believe God could do that through our families? It's okay to say amen and say yes, it's okay. Are we living in such a way that we are helping our family get these skills modeling for them what it means to be people of faith are we are are we doing our best to help them know what we hope god will help them to be or are we pushing them forward in life fingers crossed hoping that church gives us just enough jesus to keep us from making the really big mistakes do we outsource our family's faith development to the church At 64 hours a year, we're hoping that, oh, I hope that takes. Is that all we're expecting God to do for our families, for ourselves? Moving forward slowly without much expectation, just enough Jesus to keep us feeling as if we're on the right track. Is this really all we want for our life? I don't want that. The synagogue ruler in this Sick, sick woman were both desperate. They wanted more. Are we desperate for God to intervene in the life of our family? Or are we doing okay on our own? Are we desperate for God to transform us into His image? Or are we doing okay? Because I don't really think we can be people of faith unless we are willing to act and be desperate for God. 
Desperation, it moves us to act differently. When we are desperate, we're focused. Our language becomes more direct. We're focused on what we need, what we want. Are we desperate for God to heal our family, to make them something powerful in the kingdom of God, to make us servants? What if our prayer for our family is that we don't shine out above the rest, but we're underneath serving and building up the kingdom of God? Is that okay with us? If we're not the ones that are important, if we're not the chairman of the board, if we're not the ones in the paper, are we okay with never having anyone know our name, but doing everything we can to build up the body of Christ so that his kingdom will be forever and that it starts right here? Is that enough for us? These are hard questions. But it comes back to, do we believe God can do that for us? So I'm just going to assume for a moment you do believe. And you're thinking, okay, I believe. Now what? Here's, I'm going to share with you something that has stuck with me. If you believe, then I'm going to say, act as if he's already done it. The word is proleptic. It's a weird $10 word. It's acting and speaking as if something's already happened. Now, I will tell you that the line between faith and delusion in the world's eyes is very thin. And you may sound a little crazy if you're speaking as if God's already done something for you and your family, even though it hasn't happened yet. But here's three words that hopefully will revolutionize the way you speak and the way you pray and the way you live as a person of faith. Are you ready? Here's three words. Act as if. I love that. Act as if. When you pray, what would it look like to you for you to act as if God had already answered your prayer? When, um, what if when you prayed boldly for God to do something and to give you healing maybe in your family or an opportunity for a fresh start, what about you act as if he's already healed you and he's already given you an opportunity for a fresh start? What if, what if we prayed for something more than a riskless life? for our family and instead prayed for the power of God and the Holy Spirit to rest on us, to move in us, to move our family, to begin to act as if the power of God were already moving and resting on our family. I mean, sure, we may not see it now. And you know what? What we pray for, it may not be what God has in mind, but the transformation will still happen. But you'll find it happens more in you. God's working on these other people as well, but He wants to change you. He wants to transform you. And in your transformation, it will blow up and expand to those people that are around you. They will see it. Act as if. I believe that God can do more, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And I think God's in the business of rewarding faith. He wants to know what What faith can do for your family. He wants to know what faith can do for you. Look at our father of faith himself, Abraham. Luke read that a little earlier. Read it again. This is from the NIV. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. That God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Calls something that wasn't as if it were. God is faithful. He's speaking as if it's already happened. He called Abraham a man of faith before Abraham ever even finished his life. This is the message version. 
We call Abraham father, not because he's got God's attention by living like a saint. Woo, that's very comforting. But because God made something out of Abraham when he was no, a, a nobody. Abraham was first named father. He wasn't even a father yet. And then he became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life with a word, make something out of nothing. What do you want God to make out of your family? What do you believe he can make out of your family? If we want to be people who live out our faith at home, we have got to start by asking God to begin transforming our family into his image and then act as if he's starting to do that. Because he is. And as it just happened for this woman who suffered for 13 long years, 13 years of suffering, Think what you were doing 13 years ago. Some of you weren't even born yet. Suffering for 13 years, but the prayer of faith kept going. And Jesus said himself, your faith has healed you. Listen, if you're in a family that's just in tatters, if you're barely holding it together, God can heal your family. Do you believe it? I've seen it happen. I've seen it. I continue to see it. My encouragement to you today is figure out what is it you believe God can do for your family and begin praying for that right here, right now. We're going to have elders on the side. I'll be up here. My wife's down there. If you're a woman, you want to pray with my, my wife, she's right here. We will pray for you because we want you to be families who are living out your faith everywhere, school, home, wherever believe that God can do this and he will amen amen let's stand together let's sing I'm here our elders are around